Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the TNNE podcast. Today, Sarah and I are joined by our friends and ex-roommates, Ethan, Liam, and John, also known as the inhabitants of the infamous Ouija's Mansion. We got together to talk about some of New England's most bizarre cryptids, specters, and inexplicable phenomena for an episode that we're calling the Camp Ouija's Cryptids Summit. We hope you enjoy. You are now on the new New Englanders hotline. Hey guys, thanks for joining us this week uh, to talk about, you know, spooky little critters, cryptids, and other weird stuff in New England. Oh, you know, happy to do it. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Sarah, would you mind kicking us off with the first cryptid? All right, so I am talking about a UFO sighting in New Hampshire, and this occurred on September 3rd, 1965, at like 2 in the morning. And it was seen initially by uh, an 18-year-old kid named Norman Muscarello, who was hitchhiking home from his girlfriend's house, which was 10 miles. So, like, his girlfriend lived in Massachusetts, and he lives in New Hampshire, which is insane. Since it was 2 in the morning, there was no one on the roads, so he walked most of the way home. Uh, when he made it to Kensington, which is a town outside of Exeter, his hometown... He noticed five flashing bright red lights in the distance. He initially believed these to be emergency vehicle lights, but quickly realized as he got closer that they were not on the road and they were in the sky. They appeared to be hovering just above the tree line, illuminating a nearby field and two houses. Suddenly, the object with the lights began to move silently towards him. He freaked out and dove into a ditch on the side of the road, which is totally normal person behavior. <laughs> and then the object changed direction, as if that would actually happen in a scenario if a UFO is trying to attack you. So when it went in a different direction, he decided to get up and run to a house that was nearby, freaking out, slamming on the door. And obviously these people didn't answer because it's two in the morning and they're in the middle of nowhere, like in a field. They're not going to like answer the door to a stranger at two in the morning, which I guess they later said they heard him, but were too afraid to answer. He's freaking out. This thing is still like in the sky, hovering, whatever. He's looking at it. No one's answering the door. Finally, it goes into the woods and disappears and he sees a car approaching. And so he runs out to the street and he forces the people to stop um, and he's freaking out and asks these people to bring him to the police station. So they bring him to the police station. And of course, because this is like a small town in the 60s in New Hampshire, the cops like know who this kid is. Um, and they're concerned that he's like so freaked out. So they're like taking it somewhat seriously. And I guess a woman earlier that night had been not pulled over, but a cop had pulled over because she was pulled over because she was freaking out because she saw something in the sky with flashing bright red lights. And she was just sitting on the side of the street freaking out because it had like followed her or whatever in the sky. So they're like, okay, maybe this is something we should look into. So one of the cops goes with Norman back out to the field that he initially saw this at. They get there and they're sitting there and they don't see anything for a while. And then they see the lights show up again. And of course, as like any cop would, the cop got down on one knee and pulled out his gun and pointed it at it as if that would do anything. And in this article, it says he realized that that was a stupid idea and he put it back because what what are you going to do with a gun in a huge ship in the sky? Anyway, they essentially just sat there and watched it for a while until it 
eventually disappeared. I guess some farm animals were like freaking out while it was happening. This was still like the middle of the night. And so it disappears and they hang around the area to see if it shows up again. And they saw some B-47 bombers fly overhead and they were able to differentiate those from what they saw previously. So they know that there's a difference between these two things. They go back to the station, they file separate police reports, and this ends up getting sent to the National Air Force, who initially wrote it off as just being bomber jet testing, because obviously that was happening at the time. And they insisted, like, no, that's not what we saw. We saw the jets separately. This was different. Then some guy at the Air Force was like, oh, maybe you just saw bright lights from, like, an Air Force base nearby. Also not true. They tested it out. It wasn't true. So finally, in 1966, the Air Force admitted that they could not identify the craft. And I guess until this day, like they haven't been able to identify what it was. Um, And I guess this sighting is known to be one of the first well-documented and still to this day, one of the best documented and publicized UFO sightings ever, which is insane to me because it's from 1965. Considering like we have video camera now, like you would think that this wouldn't be considered one of the best documented, but because of the police reports and stuff, I feel like that's probably why it is. But yeah, that's my little UFO story for today. Very nice. I got one comment and one question. All right, first comment. Kind of giving me, it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown vibes, being like, come come to this field. I promise you're going to see it. You're going to see it. Um, <laughs> then he to, does. Yeah, and then he did. So, you know, kind of freaked yeah. it. But the second, the question that I have is just like, has there ever been a UFO sighting not at two in the morning? You know what I mean? Like, are UFOs During coming out day. at 3 p.m.? Yeah. Like, does that ever happen? I feel like people do say that it does happen, but I don't think that any like well-documented ones do. Maybe it's just harder to notice bright lights in the sky during the daytime. Because I don't know about y'all, but I've recently been noticing this really big one that is like there most days. Fair enough. Anybody else have any comments or concerns or questions about my UFO story that I believe in? Just kidding. I I don't know if I believe it or not. I think that we discovered aliens' weaknesses, which is hiding in a ditch. Yeah, no, I know. I laughed at that because I was like imagining just like a like an alien movie and like someone someone just trying to do that. The crazy thing about this UFO story is like there's another UFO story which I know Ethan mentioned he had heard about about oh, this yeah. like couple who got abducted and it's like the first real abduction story. And so it's like how are these two like very well-known, well-documented ufo alien stories both from like a somewhat similar area from of new hampshire yeah i think the the couple that got abducted was around like franconia notch i remember going on a hike over that way and then seeing a weird plaque yeah they that whole story is kind of freaky too but nothing like concrete from it either which is as every ufo story goes they wouldn't have even gotten abducted if they knew to jump in a ditch yeah yeah did we get a good description from them of like what the ship looked like? Oh, yeah. I mean, they didn't really have a good description of it. They just said that they could tell that there were no like wings on it and that it was just kind of like a blob in the sky. So they really just saw some lights. They didn't see like any material. Yeah, they saw like five lights in a formation that moved like as if they stayed in that formation. Maybe it was Starlink. In 1965. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's i don't know if you guys have been seeing it i just i keep seeing people posting pictures of starlink and going yo what the hell's this honestly that was me when i first saw starlink because i just saw like you know the line of lights come up from the horizon went overhead and then down on the opposite side of the sky and you can tell because of how quickly it happened that they're like in upper orbit and genuinely my first thought was did we just nuke some other country? And I was so freaked out. But then I just Googled lights in a line moving through the sky. And it was just a bunch of other idiots having the exact same problem as me. <laughs> uh, that's like every single boomer in the Facebook group for my hometown. Whenever they see anything, they're like, why are there helicopters flying around at night? Or like shit like that. Like it's them asking the stupidest questions. I think the silent part of your of the observation was was interesting, like that it just it rose up silently because you always associate the woo like some sort of oh yeah sound with aliens. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's just the soundtrack of of every UFO movie being ingrained in you. But yeah, I don't know. I ended up just finding this random transcript on a horrible like HTML website from like the early two thousands of the guy who saw it like the transcript of him speaking at a school for some reason that sounds like the best school assembly possible <laughs> yeah he uh i don't know how old he was at this point i don't know what year oh this was 25 years later so he was in his what is that the 40s probably but he does also mention, he goes, I ran across the street. I didn't actually dive. I fell because I tripped on something and I fell into the ditch. So he he uh, didn't dive into the ditch. He fell. That's that's another alien weakness, actually. Secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> They're like, oh, dude, that sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> can't make his day any worse. Yeah, we can't mess with uh, that guy. All right. I give this the quickest Google. You know how there's like the thing where there was a span of like 25 years during the Cold War in which there were like, a shit ton of alien sightings. This falls like right in the middle. Hmm. Just, just interesting. That's what. Yeah, I have to say. it's this is this is really funny because you can kind of like obviously this is a transcript, so you can kind of like read this in his voice. But I also guess the story that I read was not entirely accurate because he has here that he called the police department on a phone in a phone booth. The story that I initially read was wrong, I guess, unless he's like kooky. I don't think anyone who's ever seen an alien has been accused of being kooky. <laughs> That's true. But this also does say that this is one of his very few public appearances talking about it. And was that a school? At, at, a, <laughs> at a school in Exeter, like in the town that he's from. So wait, this guy doesn't talk about it regularly, but this school is like, you know, it'd be a great idea. Let's put him on for the kids. <laughs> like. Well, he's a local. He's a famous local, local legend. He's you know? a well-known I like that he goes, I don't want anybody to think I'm a nut. And I want you people to know that the only reason I went to that station was because I thought I was cracking up. I was pretty much your age. This is written like a play. Wait, so what grade level was he speaking to? I'm assuming... Picturing an elementary Like seniors. School. No, I guess he was speaking oh, to I high schoolers. Because the students are asking him questions and he's answering them. I really love this. This is like the most deranged idea for a school assembly I've ever heard of. <laughs> they go, if you saw another UFO, would you report it? He goes, you're darn right. The student <laughs> goes, some people, after they have seen one, may be reluctant to report another because their friends will think they're really weird. <laughs> I like that. 
I also like that it's on a, a fucked up little HTML website. That's yeah, I guess the most trustworthy. Even these life. kids are like acknowledging that it's really only famous because of the police officers having seen it. So that like makes it more credible. We love having multiple witnesses in a UFO case. Yeah. I mean, that's if you believe cops. Yeah. Well, anyways, now's a good time to jump down to Rhode Island and to hear from Liam about an interesting cryptid from the ocean state. Okay, so I had Rhode Island, um, and Rhode Island is, you know, a pretty old state. Edgar Allan Poe briefly lived in Providence when he was partially dating or courting uh, a poet in Providence. You know, when I was doing the research, they do have a lot of um, haunting stories, specifically around like the shipwrecks and like the marine kind of disasters and whatnot. Um, and obviously, you know, like the Newport mansions and a lot of the old historic neighborhoods in, in those towns where there are a lot of like hauntings. But for specifically cryptids, there's kind of really one that really only one that had multiple sources that corroborated a story. The term that they call it is the ghoul of Gloucester, which I love the alliteration. So Gloucester is a it's a small town in the like the northwestern corner of Rhode Island. It's it's pretty wooded, only has a population of like ten thousand. It you know, Rhode Island as a state used to be a lot of, you know, dairy farming used to be like the hub of, of dairy farms for the colonies back in the day because it was pretty flat and you needed to be close to population centers like, you know, a lot of the cities in Connecticut and Boston because of, you know, no refrigeration. So there are a lot of farm plots in Rhode Island and a lot of the woods, you know, when you go th through walks in the, in the woods of Rhode Island, you, you just kind of stumble upon a lot of old stone walls denoted the property lines of what where there used to be farms. And so the reason I kind of give that history is that the the ghoul was, was found by this pirate, was believed to be seen by this pirate, Albert Hicks, uh, when they were looking for, you know, some treasure that was rumored to be in the area in Gloucester on a farmland that some other small treasure findings were found in the area. So they were, they were at this farm in the winter at night. There's actually a description written around the time of the sighting and it's described as a large animal with staring eyes as big as pewter bowls. The eyes looked like balls of fire. When it breathed as it went by, flames came out of its mouth and nostrils, scorching the brush in its path. It was as big as a cow with dark wings on each side, like a bat's. It had spiral horns like a ram. Its feet were formed like ducks and measured a foot and a half across. The body was covered with scales, had lights kind of emanating from it like a tin lantern. Uh, smelled like burnt wool as it walked by. Very fantastical, you know, almost Eldritch Horror-esque description from the late 18 or mid 1800s. And then it was actually seen again about 40 years later in like the 1890s uh, by a man in the same area. So, you know, a little bit of corroboration there, but kind of imagining like a large, you know, ram slash cow figure with some Eldritch looking wings and fire aspects is uh, kind of spooky. That's really it about the, you know, what I could find from sources of the of the beast, the ghoul. Um, but what I think is actually kind of more funny is what I was doing the research into Albert Hicks himself, the pirate, is that he was actually, you know, known to be the last person ever executed in the United States for piracy. So in, in 1860, he was executed in New York. And so he, you know, has a history of murder and thievery and 
drinking and drug use and whatnot. So how, how believable is his story? Not sure. Modern day pirates, you know, now you just get your internet cut off for like a day. You try to like pirate a movie, but <laughs> not going to get hanged in the state of New York. I absolutely love that this story like involved a pirate because I was not expecting that at all. I also, as you were reading the description, it just got like funnier because it was just like adding every single possible like detail that a creature could have. Oh, yeah. It's like it had like duck feet. Yeah. And wings and scales and it smelled like burning wool and horns and like it had everything that a creature could have each sentence certainly gets more fantastical (laughs) yeah that is quite true yeah it's funny the the wikipedia page for for albert hicks just going back to him because such a funny character his occupations are listed as thief murderer mutineer and pirate hell yeah that's it i tried looking up the the ghoul and you know something really to do with like this world of like aliens and ghosts cryptids and just you know I don't know what you call these things, folklore or legends, is that they all seem to have really bad HTML websites for (laughs) the things that they're about. Because the ghoul has one too, and it's even better than the other one. This is the the first one I viewed as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love how like poorly formatted they are and how the pictures are just like screwing up the paragraphs. Yeah. It's like formatted like a really bad word doc where like you're a kid and you don't know how to use it. And the pictures are just like in the sentences. It's because the government's trying to suppress this knowledge. So the only way you can get it is poorly formatted HTML sites. They're the only purveyors of truth. Exactly. (laughs) There's a comment at the bottom of that page. I seen a creature on Christmas Eve. I never saw anything like it in my life. (laughs) I tried to run it over. <laughs> oh yeah. So I'm shocked so on the... what the fuck this was. I'm I awe. <laughs> I'm I awe. <laughs> Hi Jay, I'd love to hear more about your experience. And that was in he commented that at 9:23 on Christmas Eve of 2020. The absolute best part of this is that this site looks like 20 years old minimum, but all the comments are just from the past couple years. Recent. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh oh, yeah, the Gloucester ghoul man if you go to Connecticut from Rhode Island or vice versa you kind of have to go through Gloucester unless you go like all the way down right. into like down 95 route 44 Putnam Pike goes through Gloucester it's kind of like the only road really in Gloucester that's like trafficked so it just kind of speaks to the small town like aspect of this folklore and the only way for the people of connecticut to get to rhode island is to be at risk of a ghoul to risk their (laughs) lives speaking of which i i was curious because as far as i've known ghoul is just a synonym for ghost but what specifically makes a ghoul okay so oxford dictionary definition of a ghoul is an evil spirit or phantom especially one supposed to rob graves and feed on dead bodies word but i i think the reason they chose ghoul here is because it alliterates well with gloucester yeah (laughs) there was some mention that in in another one of these poorly formatted html websites is that the ghoul was never known to eat people it was it only kind of appeared and then disappeared so it never left a physical uh, uh trace sure so gotcha yeah ghosts are more interested in haunting ghouls are kind of just there you know yeah right i really like this 
one part of the site that you just sent, Sarah, that says Hopkins said it was as big as an elephant and that he is certain it had no tail. Opinion is divided as to what scared him. Some think that it was the escaped circus bear that held up several farmers and scared their horses. Whoa! Escaped circus bear. <laughs> Missing detail. Seems like a really good candidate for what Buried this might have been. The lead. Oh, <laughs> I have one more question. Do we really think that guy has ever seen an elephant in his life? That's another good point. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, if a circus <laughs> came by with an elephant, it's if they lost a bear, maybe they also lost an elephant, right? I just don't know how many circuses pirates are going to. I'll say it. All right. Well, actually, I I got. I'll do you one better, Ethan. So in my research, Albert Hicks is honestly the star of this story. Um, as we're as we're gonna learn, he actually donated his face. Like what? his the image of his face to be oh. in P.T. Barnum's wax museum. He got like a Whoa. mold of he got a mold of his face to be like the mold of some person's face in P.T. Barnum's wax museum of Barnum Whoa. Bailey Circus Company. I thought you meant like the actual skin of his face. No, like he donated like the, his body. He donated his image. His likeness. Oh, yeah. They call yeah. it take a death mask while he was still alive. A death mask. Yeah, it used to be a really common practice to have a death mask made. That's crazy. Yeah, they used to make just like a plaster mold of someone's face right after the time of death because they just like didn't have photographs. But also because if it was like a famous person, they'd use it for like future statues. Whoa, he was wearing the outfit, the same clothes he wore when he committed his murders, and the likeness was displayed for 10 years and seen by millions of visitors before it melted in a museum fire. Yeah. That's crazy. Extremely cursed guy. He was okay. hanged on Friday the 13th? Wow. Dude. Nice. On Liberty Island. Lucky. In, in New York. Wow. Honestly, if anyone would see a ghoul, this guy's definitely it. <laughs> Call me crazy, but I'd much rather have a death mask put on, you know, when I'm like 25, 30 instead of like on my deathbed. But maybe he was like 25 or 30. You know, pirates didn't live scurvy. He was 39 or 40 years old. I probably look great. Oh, my God. He died on my birthday. He was killed on my birthday in 1860. So long before I was born. Wow. That's crazy. He had had one child. All I'm going to say about this ghoul business is that if you saw a circus bear wearing a circus hat and like a ruffled collar or something and you weren't expecting to, you'd probably think it was a monster. That That's a ghoul. Exactly. Yeah, but what about the like Straight breathing fire and the part where it says that it lights up like a lantern? He was a pirate. He was probably drunk off of like some crazy stuff. He, he was on he, Benadryl. Maybe the, <laughs> that, that 1800s Benny. <laughs> I was thinking more like grog or whatever pirates drink. Yeah, let's say you're on like a couple Benadryls because you're doing pirate drugs the way they do. And In the 1800s. Of course. And then you see a circus bear. Maybe it's like riding like a beach ball or something. Your brain fills in <laughs> yeah. the gaps. It's like I saw a ghoul and then you just you just have like a, a hundred other details that you added on. Sure. Are there any hallucinatory side effects of having scurvy? <laughs> Probably. I think just like spending a lot of time on the water is proven to have generally hallucinogenic properties. Oh, yeah. Like once you've spent a little too long at sea... You kind of just spend the rest of your life like hallucinating various creatures and uh, cryptids. Nothing else to see. You do experience fatigue when you have scurvy, so I'm sure that leads to 
One of the things. symptoms of scurvy listed here is failure to thrive. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> like depressed. <laughs> no, that's also listed. I mean, it obviously it means... didn't apply for this guy because he killed it. Oh, it says it's a term that is traditionally used for children who have failed to develop and grow normally. Oh, Okay. <laughs> but it's worded strange. <laughs> yeah, that would be an absolutely devastating diagnosis from a doctor. <laughs> yeah. You're failing to thrive. You have failed to thrive. <laughs> like they like drop your chart backs and you pick it up and then you're like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well, good one. Thank you for sharing your cryptid with us, Liam. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Of course. I think maybe we should go up north. Yeah, let's hop up north to Maine with John. Before I start with like the actual one I'm talking about, I want to give a few honorable mentions. One, the Bilbad. It is basically a platypus, except with kangaroo legs. Uh, and it kills fish by slapping them really hard with its tail. And <laughs> there, there, was, <laughs> there was a legend there. The rumor at the time was that they tasted really good. And then at one point, some guy was like, oh, I found this one dead. And he cooked it up and fed it to his buddy, who immediately got very, very sick. So I think some guy just like found a random dead animal and fed it to his friend. Then there's also the Argo Pelter, which was at some point also called the Agro Pelter because people couldn't uh, read. This one's just a monkey that threw logs at people, uh, mainly lumberjacks. Hell yeah. And then another one, a, r a really good one, is called the goofus bird which was just a fucked up looking bird that people thought flew backwards but was probably a wood stork because apparently those look very weird connor tell me about wood storks oh uh they look very weird okay thank you uh, for those of you who don't know which i don't think we've mentioned it once on this podcast yet connor is obsessed with birds obsessed is unfair and unwarranted <laughs> Con connor is in fact a bird himself so that's where it comes from. Say. He has an affinity. A lot of accusations, but this is all alleged. Well, that's what we're about to get into, is things that are alleged. Because now, I'm going to talk about my actual cryptid. Probably the most famous cryptid in Maine. The Specter Moose. Again, like lumberjack stuff, because those people just had nothing better to do than see moose and hunters. But... We're, we're going, I'm going to give the short version here, because there is a lot about this guy. But in, uh, in 1891, a hunting guide named Clarence Duffy was working around Lobster Lake in Maine when he came across what was, what he described as just a gigantic, entirely white moose. And he, you know, went back to town, told a lot of people about it, and got laughed at, and no one believed him, because what the hell are you talking about, man? They don't make moose that big, and they don't make them white. But... Then, a couple of months later, another hunter saw the same moose and managed to take some shots at it. Uh, apparently, the moose did not care, just got angry and chased this guy who had to hide in a cave for an hour while the moose kind of stood outside the cave angrily until it got bored and left. And then that guy was able to go and tell people more about said moose <laughs> i like how that it keeps coming up in these stories that people's first <laughs> specifically americans first reaction to seeing something weird is like 
I should shoot that. <laughs> like I should, <laughs> I should get my gun and start shooting at that. <laughs> well, the, these are hunters too. You know, they're out there looking for moose to shoot at. That's true. That's true. And they find a moose and they're like, "That's a fucking weird looking one. I want to shoot that one in particular." Which yeah, but cop is... shooting at UFO. <laughs> true. Cop shooting at UFO. I mean, <laughs> what else are you gonna do, Just man? The American brain. Yeah, the minute so. it sees something it doesn't fully understand. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta shoot at that thing, man. <laughs> gotta shoot it. <laughs> Going back to it, the the next time, you know, this moose got seen was in 1892. There were three hunters from New York who apparently found the moose, started shooting at it. One of them did successfully hit it in the shoulder, which pissed it off. It charged him. And once more, this guy had to hide. Uh, this time he hid under some fallen trees. And after... For some reason, after some folks from New York said it was real, people actually got interested in it. Lots of people started going out and looking for it, but sightings became a little bit more sparse. These were all just like a, a few months apart. And then the next time someone reported, reportedly actually seeing it was in 1895 and then nothing until 1899 when some guy named Gilman Brown says he shot at it five times the moose did not react and just kind of walked away also in 1899 the new york times wrote an article about all of these different sightings of the moose and then suddenly there were a lot more sightings of the moose and a lot more people looking for the moose so classic you know all of that and really the what's important here is that at this point people are no longer just calling this the big moose it's become the specter moose because now people think it's a ghost. Uh, it was also allegedly around six feet tall or something. 10 to 15 feet tall and 2,500 pounds, which is like double normal moose. How could they possibly know how much it weighs? They're eyeballing it. You know, they're hunters. Apparently, one guy says that he managed to count 22 points on one side of its antlers oh wow which is again about double the normal number of points on a moose antler but i'm just like how are you doing that how are you how are you accurately counting the number of points on a moose antler from a distance in the woods i got one word for you binoculars What's the word? <laughs> oh shit I didn't even think of that. That's a good yeah. word. Did they have those in the? Did they have those in 1899? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Also, I'd like to say that if it's truly a specter moose, then it should weigh zero pounds because it's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there it's it gets. We could get into it more. There's a lot more like a lot more sightings and a lot more reports, and people start saying like, "Oh yeah, it also glows." Oh, and of course. it also, like, you know, appears and disappears silently without people seeing it. I like no this, I like this Moose's vibe. Yeah. Honestly. He's like, don't shoot me or I get mad or I just get annoyed that you're shooting me. And it, it like over the next, you know, bunch of years, it kind of comes and goes. Sometimes people see there's like a bunch of sightings and then there's no sightings for a while. Any recent ones? I don't know, actually. This feels like a very possible cryptid. Like this could, there could just be some ginormous albino moose 
living in Maine. There is also <laughs> rumor, more magic rumors here, but more a rumor that it appears before bad things happen, similar uh, to Mothman uh. in some iterations. But yeah, it does kind of seem likely. I mean, a moose that big would be insane. Yeah. So maybe, but like it could be possible. I guess. I don't know enough about moose biology. Do we have a moose biologist in the chat? Okay, I was literally about to be like, yo, guys, come on, <laughs> put me in, put me in. You so not, not to not to use the S word, the science, uh, but albino moose do exist. They're about one in yes. 20,000. So like, it's totally possible that it was just an albino moose. Second thing, the largest moose ever recorded was also an Alaskan moose. So, I mean, technically it's the same North American breed, but um, it weighed 1,800 pounds. So like, it's still okay. like so much larger than you know according to these reports you know than yeah yeah even the, so the i like species. to think that ethan just knew this knew these facts offhand <laughs> all of these numbers and statistics he came I'm so prepared for today <laughs> okay i'm not gonna lie i did know that albino moose existed and what yeah. their coloring was I, uh, I didn't say it but i kind of thought that was implied yeah you know that, yes, it's probably an albino moose, and then it kind of probably just got out of hand. Albino moose are so pretty. Yeah, they are. They also fuck you up. Any moose fuck monsters. you up. Big true. Moose are so scary. I'm terrified yeah, of moose. Yeah, honestly, just a giant fluorescent white moose would be a pretty scary animal. Imagine seeing that and you had never seen a moose or even a deer before. That would be just about the scariest thing I could imagine. Also, early 1900s, I, I don't know if albinism would have been common knowledge. Would have would people even know that that's possible? That's probably Probably true. not. And yeah. it's also, the other thing is actually, I, we don't need to get all the way into this, but the like modern depiction of ghosts as being kind of transparent only really came into focus as like cameras were becoming more popular and being developed because you could do that with cameras you could do ghosting with cameras by double exposing and making it look like there's a transparent figure in it prior to that because a lot of media was like stage plays ghosts were just all white mm -hmm. so people in this era might have just seen something that's all white and been like yep that's a ghost i totally yeah, buy white that's what ghosts look like very interesting yeah yeah i actually saw i was hiking in maine this summer and I was had my head down, you know, just trudging up a hill. And I was stopped by my girlfriend who told me that she just she stopped and was like, Liam. And I looked up and 30 feet in front of me, there were two moose. Whoa. And uh, honestly, if one of them was white, I would be quite spooked. They're scary. It definitely is like an eerie sight to see. They are big animals. Even at 30 feet away, they felt, you know, looming. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're serious. They're serious beasts. I could definitely see if you saw one with an alternate colorway that it would it would be memorable. <laughs> it's a <laughs> funny edgy way to swap. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny way to describe an animal. Unfortunately, that's kind of time for Maine and we have to hop to the next state. But thank you, John, for introducing us to the Spectre Moose. You're welcome. Let's uh move on to Massachusetts. All right. This isn't necessarily one cryptid or creature, uh, but I guess kind of like a particular area in which there have been many kind of paranormal 
and creature-like sightings. Um, so it's called the Bridgewater Triangle. It's from Brockton in the north to Rehoboth, kind of like southwest uh, to Freetown southeast. That's the triangle that's being described. It's about 200 square miles. And essentially there are like a long list of strange sightings. We got UFOs, uh, similar to the New Hampshire UFOs, where it's just like bright lights. There's not quite as much of a confirmed case like Sarah was describing, but same, similar kind of UFOs. Uh, we got poltergeists. We got like Bigfoot-esque creatures. We got giant snakes. We got thunderbirds. We have uh, small uh, Native American folklore creatures called Pukwudgie. Oh, we'll talk a little bit more about those details, but essentially there are like a couple of places that are particularly... I guess talked about in in these you know legends. The Freetown slash Fall River State Forest is very famous, and there's like one boulder that looks like a man's face called Profile Rock. People have, are said to have seen like ghosts sitting there or like whistling, you know, as they walk up on this on this site or whatever. And there's also a couple of of other spots. One notable is the Taunton State Hospital, uh, which supposedly was the home for some satanic cults after the hospital wasn't uh, in use and uh, some paranormal activity and, and the like. All right, real quick, I'm just, I'm gonna talk about some weird cult sacrifices in, again, the Fall River Freetown State Forest. There were all of these, what looked like animal sacrifices being done, particularly cows of all different ages, which is kind of strange. I'm not gonna go into the details because they're kind of gross, but essentially people were like, what is going on? Why are these rituals going on? And just like, nobody had any explanation for what was going on and it went on for like a couple of years and people just didn't know what was happening but these are the ones i want to focus on which are kind of like around the native and indigenous peoples like folklore so okay y'all familiar with the king philip's war no, no. oh i, I mean uh, okay summary of the king philip's war essentially there was the colonizers and some portion of indigenous tribes and then the Wampanoag, and um, they had this like kind of tenuous relationship with different tribes of indigenous people, and there was this whole thing, but there was this one like kind of very culminating fight in the war called the Great Swamp Fight. It happened within our, you know, favorite Bridgewater Triangle here, and specifically, there was a Wampanoag like relic called the Wampum Belt that was lost in this war. And I think in that conflict, I could be wrong. And so there's like this kind of like lore that because this important cultural relic uh, was lost in this war, that like the place that it was lost in was cursed, which includes mm. this Bridgewater Triangle. From that, there are like all these, you know, things that are going on. We've talked about the UFOs and ghosts and whatever else, like strange creatures, giant snakes, etc. But the two other kind of like indigenous based folklore come in the form of these creatures called Pukwudgy. And I'll send a picture to the chat so everyone everyone's familiar. Oh, I have heard about we, these. We know the Pukwudgies. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Oh, of yeah. course, you guys. Pukwudgies. All right, so I, I don't need to say nothing, but uh, I'll send this picture anyway because it's pretty good. They're supposed to be these creatures that are like two to three feet tall. They kind of have like hair growing mostly on their back and head that kind of make them look a little bit like Sonic the Hedgehog, but in a more creepy way. And um, they're supposed to just be kind of like dangerous and like tiny little trickster guys. They'll get you when you're not ready, you know, and that's the whole thing. But there have been, you know, reports of all of these different sightings across the like 20th and 21st century, which is kind the of The image you sent reminds me of like Dobby from Harry Potter. If he was like mixed with Sonic the Hedgehog and evil. For our listeners to imagine. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm picturing the guys like, you know, when you get the gremlins wet in the gremlins, it's like that kind of like yeah. two to yeah. three foot little gremlin guy, except like covered in hair, but only on the backside and head. And he has a knife. Like a, <laughs> yeah. Like Yo. Shave there, Yo. but. <laughs> he keep that thing on him for real. But yeah, that's the Pukwudgie, which is awesome. And then the last, the last little bit creature cryptid is called the Thunderbird, namesake of the Thunderbird Inn and the Thunderbird, the car, etc. right? It's in lots of different Native American culture, but um, specifically along the Northeast, people were reported to see these creatures that are larger than a man that, that have the kind of like head of a man, but the like body of what looks like a prehistoric bird. Some people described it as pterodactyl-like, but they had an eight to 12 foot wingspan. So the, these things were freaking giant. Like, you know, twice the size of, you know, their wingspan, twice the size of a human's wingspan. Pretty wild. They didn't really cause any, like, trouble. People were just, like, kind of spooked by them. I guess more like a ghoul. That's interesting because I've definitely heard of the Thunderbird before, but I feel like I've only ever heard of them in, like, the deserts out west. Not, like, in the northeast at all. I think the whole Thunderbird thing, there were big birds. There used to be bigger birds than we have now people probably you know found bird bones and were like oh shit there must be giant birds somewhere around here that's scary yeah there, there's a pet theory about them that either somehow people like native americans had found like pterodactyl remains like a fossilized mm. pterodactyl and that's where the myth came from or even crazier there's the myth that or the belief that native americans might have been seeing like a couple straggler pterodactyls that actually still lived on the like North American continent. That there's like a handful of pterodactyls ah. still alive. And then that's where they got it from. I wouldn't rule I it out. There are species that we think are extinct. And I, then we find out that there are a couple more hiding out. And we're like, oh, dang. I would rule it out because at least like now, there is not enough oxygen for a pterodactyl to like <laughs> breathe. Okay, like oh. just Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds exist. They live anywhere from northern Canada and Alaska down to Central America, in like cryptozoology history. Yeah. So well, this I, is it, like everywhere. Like back when you know there was more oxygen, there was definitely you know big old big old birds. I guess that there was in 1977 in Illinois. There was a Thunderbird attack. Wait, in when? Oh. On a ten on a ten year old. He was playing outside when he was suddenly attacked by two large birds, one of the, which temporarily picked him up and carried him over 30 feet before his mother ran to her son's rescue, chasing the birds away and then recovering her traumatized son. Connor, what's the biggest bird in North America? Thunderbird. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well. All right, but like 30 feet horizontally? I thought you were going to say 30 feet in the air. I'd be like, yo, I'm, I'm not so sure about how that kid's doing. I'm assuming horizontally <laughs> since the mom was able to successfully get him. No, I totally believe mm. that a kid could survive a 30-foot drop. A 30-foot drop? No, I'm 100% serious because, like, little kids are just a lot bouncier yeah. than we are. <laughs> like, I guess. But, you know, you just land with a lot less force. Like, little kids have fallen from ridiculous heights and survived. Literally, there have been cases where people's parachutes didn't open and they still survived after hitting the ground. It's just they broke every bird, like bo bird. They broke every bone in their body. <laughs> <laughs> they broke every bird in their body. Too. 
All right, Connor, you, you ready, though? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, okay, Connor, you're up. All right, so let me start this Vermont cryptid with just close your eyes and imagine this situation, all right? I want you to imagine that you're a high schooler in 1971 at a school dance. It's fall in Vermont in the town of Northfield, and it's not very far from Montpelier. You're in the north part of the state, so it's probably really cold. It's a fall night, and you and your friends like sneak out of the dance, and you go to the back of the school to a sand pit, and you start popping some brewskis. You're enjoying yourself. It's, it's 1971, you know, you're having a great time. I'm having a great time right now. You're having a great time. You are. But then that moment doesn't last very long because out of the nearby woods walks something with the body of a man, but it's covered in tufted white fur. And its face is either some sort of amalgamation of a man and a pig, or it's like a man wearing a pig's head. You're not sure. And you don't have very long to digest what's happening because suddenly everybody's screaming at this naked pig man that walked out of the woods and now you and all your friends are running away <laughs> and, tr and getting to the nearest people anyone who will listen to you to tell them that you saw a pig man a pig man come out of the woods can we get some more information about this fur specifically you said it was white fur yeah he has like a downy like silky white hey. fur covering most of his body he clearly has the shape of a humanoid but he has like a layer of fur covering him more than like a hairy man probably would like it's a fur not not like a hairy guy yeah. seemingly from these descriptions like are we talking like polar bear like maybe the description mm. said downy i don't know exactly what, <laughs> what's meant by that but yeah, the, mm. the pig man has some sort of layer of hair, presumably for warmth or some sort of protective layer. But the the teens of the town, you know, after they've gotten their story out, the townspeople are questioning, oh, did they really see a pig man? Probably not, because that's ridiculous. They're drunk kids. Like, you know, they're just getting freaked out. But some random farmer, seemingly a trustworthy guy, comes forward and is like, no, I've seen the pig man. In fact, I saw what looked like a nude man rifling through my trash bins the other night and I shooed him away. So he, he comes forward and is trying to corroborate the pig man story. And then suddenly more people are saying that they've had some strange pig-related incidents. And then suddenly everybody in the town is deciding independently that this mysterious disappearance that happened a couple months prior probably had something to do with the emergence of the pig man. Possibly this teenager was turned into the pig man by a wicked witch or something, or maybe he was eaten by the pig man. Mm. Some people think that he might be some sort of unholy hybrid of a man and a pig. Others think that he's just some sort of feral man with pig-like appearance that is living in the woods. Mm. So you said wow. that the farmer who saw him did you say shoot or shoot? No, 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 just shoot. I don't I don't think he attempted to shoot the pig man like many Americans probably would. <laughs> that, that would go along with our American gun motif. Yeah, unfortunately, I think he, he was just like, get out of here, pig man. Shoe on now. Hmm. But yeah, here's some other details about the pig man of Northfield, Vermont. 
So, supposedly, the pig man has always lived in an area of Vermont called the Devil's Washbowl, which locals gave its name because they decided that that's where the devil did his laundry. Um, there's some reports of what? caves in the areas. <laughs> what did he... Wait. <laughs> what clothes did he have to wash? I don't know. Whatever the devil wears. Probably like a red suit <laughs> with pointy shoulders. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, so... <laughs> so, he apparently lives in an area nearby called the Devil's Wash Bowl, which was notoriously gothic in nature supposedly there were caves found nearby that had like hay and like animal bones in them which they believe to be dens used by the pig man from that point on just repeated sightings in the area of the northfield pig man notably it would happen oftentimes at the makeout point where teens would be making out in a car or something and then they hear scratching at the doors and and oinking or whatever and they'd be like oh that was the, that was the pig man or people would be driving at night like you know just drinking and driving in vermont and like a pig a pig <laughs> classic yeah classic and a pig man would just skitter across the road but yeah to this day people claim that they they see the pig man and he's become a major local legend, and he's very well known within Vermont, especially in the Montpelier region. I just saw an article from 2022 about a guy who was looking into him and talking about him. Yeah, to this day, the uh, wow. the legend endures, and people reportedly see the pig man in the area of Northfield. Yeah, I think I would be, frankly, like pretty terrified if I saw like a pig man. Even John Pork? Even John Pork. <laughs> friendly. <laughs> it's also worth noting that he supposedly had like bright red eyes. And some people think that this is just a dude wearing a pig's head. But others do think that it is some sort of man-pig hybrid or a ghoul. My thought is that a scary dude in a pig costume shows up wherever teenagers are making out and drinking. Hmm. Some kids dad in a pig mask is just trying to like freak kids out freaking him out entertaining himself or he's just like this will be a good way to get kids to stop drinking mm. dress up as a pig man yeah maybe it's just a uh <laughs> the temperance movement <laughs> i was about to say this is the catholic church at work i think out of all of our uh our cryptids though this is the most modern because there are some stories that seemingly came out of like the 1950s or maybe earlier about the Pigman, but the major Pigman sighting that we're talking about is this one that was the night of 1971. Yeah, that's true. This is the most recent. The Pigman very well might be still out and about. We have no idea. We have no idea how long yeah, a Pigman lives. Same pig how long does a pig live? I was going to say, does he have the lifespan of a pig or a human? He might have the combined lifespan of a pig and a human the combined and who's to say whether or not he's procreated since then well that's the it's other true. thing about the pig man is that some people are like oh yeah there's there's someone fucking the pigs making pig men mm. we don't know see what about this he's going to the places where kids are making out because he thinks he could join in and he's trying to procreate oh but see it once you're already half pig half man if you procreate with a human then 
it would be like a quarter a, pig, a pigman man, pigman man. You know, there are some other rumors about him that specifically there's a myth related to the pigman where some people think it's a person named Sam Harris. Yeah, who was 17 years old and went missing in 1951. The myth is that he went out with a bunch of eggs to do like a mischief night the night before Halloween. And the next morning, his parents found that he was missing and they were trying to find him. They never found him. People think that he was possessed by the devil Uh. and then uh, mutilating pigs or something. And then he became the pig man. So there's this specific story that it's like a person who went missing, like a mischievous teen that was who became the pig man. I thought he was having coitus with the pigs and creating pig man or becoming the pig man. There's not a very specific idea of how the pig man came to be. We have like the two sightings of 1971 that are the main pig man lore. Some people also uh, just... As with every cryptid, some people are like, maybe they were just mistaking the appearance of Bigfoot. Maybe this was just Bigfoot again. Right. Because naturally, (laughs) the the most logical conclusion with any of these like weird cryptids is like, ah, they just don't know what the Bigfoot looks like. Right. I mean, who does? Too true, King. Too true. Well, on that note, we are out of time, and I want to extend our most sincere gratitude to all of y'all for joining us on this episode. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, I know. This was fun, guys. This was good. Learned so much about the critters of New England. There's so many critters in New England. The ghouls. Yeah. We should definitely do this again. Some sort of, um, it's like the the specials. You know what I mean? Like holiday cryptids. Yeah, more ghouls. More ghoul talk. Christmas, Christmas, and Hanukkah cryptids. Hell yeah. All right, I'm going to go to bed. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to get off and go into bed and be on my phone. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) <laughs> Same. All right. Good night, Step Bros. Good night, everybody. Good night.